Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Brian Dawes. I'm Chris Delano. And the rest of them are slackers because we're the only two you get tonight. Yeah, Jay is doing something like spending time with his family or something like that. And <laughs> I know, right? So overrated. And Lorelai is, I don't know, probably like being gay or something. I don't know what they're doing. Um, but it's us today and uh, we've got a pretty thrilling episode ahead of us, uh, if I do say so myself. Best story in magic history. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> so, as as attentive listeners know, I am not a particular uh, expert on pre, like, origins. Well, it's really like pre-Return to Ravnica lore. Um, so, the invasion of Dominaria, the first Phyrexian invasion, not something I'm particularly well-versed in, but, like... I know enough to know I wouldn't call it the best story in magic history. <laughs> um, God, it's messy. It is a messy story. Oh, it really is. But I love it. It's great. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad that you are here because uh, I'm going to do my best and you're going to have <laughs> to tell me what I get wrong. But uh, anyways, in news uh, this past week and including today, we are we've got Dominaria United story. It's coming. It's here. And oh my God, is it intense? It's really good. It's okay. So it's like really good, but it's also like stressing me out. We're only. Oh, no joke. Yeah. So we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, We've only got two episodes of the main story released so far. I don't know what's happened over the weekend. I don't know what's released on Friday, but I will tell you that uh, I am stressed out. This is such a good story. No spoilers, but it is intense. Um, it features a lot of characters we're going to talk about today. So that's cool. In different aspects of their lives. Very different. Yeah. Uh, but it is, um, it's some good stuff. Go get caught up on that. It's, it's good. Uh, the author's name has just escaped my mind, but I'm going to go find it real quick and cut all this out. So I sound like I'm really smart. Uh, the author of the Dominar United story is Langley Hyde. So, uh, that's a really cool thing. Um, she is a uh, like sci-fi author. Very, very good stuff. Um, anyways, we also have a really cool article we're going to share. We'll link to it in the, the thread for the Twitter post. <laughs> so if you want to read it, I'll also put it in like the description of the episode. So if you're listening on like Spotify or SoundCloud, there will be a link there. Uh, this is a pretty... Short but really good article by Amanda Stevens, who was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, called More Than Crusades and Jihads, I Was a Disruptive Student. Uh, This is like, it is a sort of look at how blackness and and race is handled in magic story and uh, sort of on a larger scale in magic, um, like the meta around it. Uh, It's it's a good article. I don't want to spend too much time telling you about it because you should just go read it. Um, just good. It's just good stuff. So anyways, um, that's, uh, that's all like the news we have going on. Cause magic story has kind of dominated the last couple of days and will be dominating the story until, uh, uh, dominating our thoughts at least until it's over. Um, which it should be over this week, uh, on the 18th. So yeah, <laughs> I don't, I mean like, just get ready. This is, this is going to be a lot. Um, and with that, I guess we can um, move on to Brian's favorite story in all of magic history, the story of the first 
Phyrexian invasion of Dominaria. Or I guess second, kind of, if you consider the the first one being the Thran. And like, I guess that wasn't really an invasion. It was just sort of like a war. Yeah, it was more of a civil war than an invasion. Yeah, but the the first thing that everyone needs to do before you hear the story of the Phyrexian invasion is go back and listen to the like four episodes we did about the Weatherlight Saga. So that was like episodes 74, 75, 76, and 7, well... I guess it was only three episodes. So 74, 75, and 76 is a like complete rundown of the Weatherlight Saga. I think it touches a little bit on the invasion in like the last part of it. But uh, it will introduce you to a lot of characters who become very important. Uh, we don't really have time to go over all of the major players. But I guess like the most important ones for the, the purpose of the invasion are like Gerard, who we discussed a little bit last week. Um He's like the eugenics boy. <laughs> he is the product of the eugenics, not yeah. the, the causer of the eugenics, just to be clear. Yeah, he's not <laughs> he's not doing it. Um, but then there's also like Squee, who's like this little goblin guy. He's fun. Um, Hannah, who's the ship's navigator, who is also like Gerard's love interest. Uh, Sisse. Daughter of Baron and Rain. Mm hmm. Yeah, um, who we discussed a little bit when talking about Urza. Uh, there's also um, Sisse, who's like the captain of the Weatherlight. Uh, there, those are some major characters, but just go go listen to our episodes on the Weatherlight um, to know what they've been up to. But basically, they were last left off uh, on Mercadia, I think. But anyways, they, they come back to Dominaria, and this is what really kicks off the invasion. So the Weatherlight crew returns to Dominaria... And uh, as they come back onto the plane, uh, these Phyrexian portal-like ships just also show up and start opening up portals all over Dominaria, releasing hordes of Phyrexians. Or bombs, or all sorts of unsavory things that people on Dominaria aren't or sure do not like. Yeah, so like you've seen in a lot of the art, there's the um, Phyrexian portal-like machines uh, most of like the art for them recently has been them in disrepair, but there's also uh, I think erratic portal is an example of one of them, um, or planner portal, planner portal, the original art. Erratic portal is also a Phyrexian portal as well, but planner portal is a, is a more functioning art that you want to look at. Seven or the invasion art. So those are opening up everywhere. People are fighting Phyrexians. It's very stressful. Uh, the Weatherlight crew heads to Benalia, which, you know, is like big seat of power on Dominaria. And they get there and they're like, oh, my God, there's there's all sorts of Phyrexians invading. And then they get arrested um, <laughs> and thrown into jail in Benalia. Clearly, the best thing to do while you're being invaded is uh, to arrest people who say they can help. Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it, though, like these invaders are coming from another plane. And then this like ship shows up that also came from another plane. And they're like, hey. We should, you should help us. We're, we're going to fight these. Inv- I would, I would be a little spec, you know, uh, skeptical. That's fair. Um, but anyways, they get arrested, they get thrown in jail. And, uh, there's this blind seer who's definitely not Urza also in the jail. Definitely. Definitely. Um, but he's, uh, it, it's Urza. Urza has disguised, disguised himself as this blind seer who is going to like pop in and out of the weatherlight, uh, during this, like initial story of the invasion. Um, 
giving them like hints and telling them what to do. And for some reason he won't identify himself as Urza, but anyways, uh, yeah, it, it, that it's a whole mess. Cause like he should have been doing a plethora of other things in the middle of this invasion, but no, he, he's being cryptic and giving hints to the crew of his own making pretty much. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they're in jail. And then of course, as they said, the Phyrexians start sieging Benalia. They're led by this, like, General Sabo Tavek, Tavok? I don't know how to pronounce that name. I always said Sabo Tavok. Yeah. Well, Sabo Tavok is uh, invading Benalia. Uh, she is sort of like the the leader of the Phyrexian invasion, heading all the armies. Um, of course, uh, they the crew of the Weatherlight take this opportunity to escape. And uh, as they are escaping, the Metathran, who we discussed before, combined with some Saren armies, uh, show up and they start fighting Benalia and they lose. <laughs> it's they I mean, like they don't win this fight that they were literally bred to fight. So give you an idea of how terrifying the Phyrexians are. Not even an army that was created specifically to fight them is winning. Uh, in this fight, Hannah, who we mentioned earlier, the, the navigator, daughter of Baron and Rain, love interest of Gerard, gets wounded and she's infected by the Phyrexian plague. She gets Phyresis. Or the, the, the word that I can't pronounce. Um, Physes. Physes, yes. Uh, so she gets infected, um, which, you know, is not good because no one survives that. Yeah, like Orem, who is the, the ship's healer, tries a number of spells that, to try to heal her magically, and it ends up making things worse. Uh, so they just kind of go with the whole traditional, bind it up, and hopefully some you know, they discover some medication that can fix it, but that never actually happens. Yeah, so they, they leave um, on the weatherlight, they escape. Uh, Baron and Urza come together, and they're like, trying to create some more Metathran leaders on Talaria. They, they like create a couple of generals um, whose names I cannot remember who are like Agnate and Thaddeus. Yes. Agnate and Thaddeus are like important characters for this entire series of novels that take place <sighs> during invasion. It is so disappointing. They, they're, they're not actually important, even though they are super cool. They, they are like twins and they can communicate and like it, it, it's super, they were, they were literally bred and created to fight Phyrexians and be the ultimate leaders of their armies. And then they get separated and things go horribly awry for, I believe it's Agnate when he ends up going, he meets up with Drowlnu, who has a card in Invasion. I think it might be Plane Shift. Um, Drowlnu is in Time Spiral, actually. Drowlnu, I think Drowlnu's first card was in Time Spiral block. Um, no, no, no. There, there's a. <laughs> I know Thaddeus and Agni oh, don't no, have no, no, cards. No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. There is a card with like with Drownu on the art, but he's not. At, you're right that he did not get his first legendary card until Time Spiral. You are completely correct, and I completely forgot about this. Uh, but there is a zombie lord in the invasion block. Who, who like they this the description in the book matches his art and like it's a zombie it gives all his zombies plus yeah. one plus one Lord and, of the Undead right yeah there you go yeah and uh, he does not get a card until Time Spiral and I don't think Thaddeus and Agnate have had cards ever 
uh, not even like in a commander set or anything. They have so. not, and I've complained about this. <laughs> um, so I think they should be on the short list. But anyways, uh, Urza and Baron like create them, and they're doing that on Talaria. And while they're there, uh, the Phyrexians assault Lanawar and just kind of destroy it. Um, so, to be clear, they did not create them at the time. They woke them up because they had been in cryostasis that entire time. But yes, um, and while this is occurring, Eladomri's and uh, Lanawar are trying to appeal to the Elf Lords to get them to rally their 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 people and get them to like prepare for the invasion. And as this is happening, a Phyrexian plague ship opens fire and starts dropping plague bombs, killing the Elf monarchy and a bunch of the, the people in, of Lanawar, and Eladomri manages to escape and leads a bunch of people out of Lanawar into some caves underneath the, the forest um, where they, like, meet up, they, they get on this ship, and it's it's kind of trippy. Yeah, they, they escape to the Dream Halls, right? I believe. Yes. Yeah. No. No? Not, I don't think it's the Dream Halls. They called it something else. Um, the, if you're if you're listening and going, what the heck are Brian and Chris talking about? Uh, it's because this series of novels is <laughs> incredibly like wild. It's the Dreaming Caves, is what they're called. Yes, there you go. It's it's very complicated. Um, yeah, the Dream Halls were something on uh, Wrath underneath the Stronghold. Uh, the Dreaming Caves are something completely different, but they have similar names, so it's easy to get confused about it. Yeah, and they they have very similar functions too, if I remember correctly. The the dreaming caves like bring dreams to life or something. Yep, uh, that that is correct. Yeah. So, anyways, that's happening in Lanoir. Meanwhile, uh, Zalfir is being phased out. We've talked about this at length. Uh, Teferi says "f you" to Urza, phases out Zalfir, and when Urza gets angry, Teferi's like, "You know what? I'm taking Shiv too." Um, so goodbye to Zalfir and Shiv. We'll see you soon, hopefully. Uh, in Yavamaya, uh, Phyrexians get totally wrecked. <laughs> Yavamaya just says nope and like destroys a bunch of Phyrexians. It's actually kind of fun. Yavamaya um, starts start spawning Kavu and the Kavu start running rampant. Yeah, and then when the Phyrexians there are killed, they're resurrected as woodmen um, that like end up on the side of the forest. Uh, mm mm-hmm. They are actually depicted in a card from Dominaria. I'm trying to remember which card it was. It was um, it was a creature card in Dominaria, the set. You know, if I played a bunch of limited and I just cannot remember the card. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, Multani kind of just beats back the Phyrexians, making Yavamaya or uh, uh, Yavamaya an actual like safe space. Um, no Phyrexians allowed uh, for now. For now. Uh, meanwhile, the Weatherlight crew gets back on the Weatherlight and go back to Wrath, um, where they had been previously during Tempest Block. Uh, they learn a recipe there with Orum uh, on how to like create Phyrexian immunity. And they give all of the Weatherlight crew immunity to Phyrexia, and, uh, except for Hannah, who is already too far gone, and then she dies. So rest in peace, Hannah. You... Um, you live to die, basically. <laughs> May your remains ever remain cold in that fridge. Yeah, so that's like part of the story of the invasion block is very much traditional sci-fi in the sense of like main character is a dude whose girlfriend gets killed and he's it's yeah, classic fridging. It's not it's not good. 
Um, anyways, meanwhile, uh, while Hannah is dying and then dies, Urza and Baron have like managed to create a stalemate at Koilos, which is like the stable portal to Phyrexia where all the troops are coming through. It's like the head of the Phyrexian invasion um, and the, the caves of Koilos. Yeah, it is the place where the Thran were sealed, or the Yogmoth side in the Thran Civil War was sealed away by Rebek. Um, and that is the gate. Like, basically, the Thran like, lived over Koilos, and Yogmoth had this cave to go down into it, and there's where that first original portal is. And so well, they were fighting over that beachhead to pretty much open up that cave so all the Phyrexians could flow out and do things. But it wasn't going well for Ursa because they couldn't close it. Yeah, so it was kind of like in a stalemate situation. Um, Urza uses this time to like assemble the Nine Titans, which we've talked about several times in the past few episodes. Basically, uh, Urza and these eight other planeswalkers who was going to include Teferi before he said nope and uh, got out of there. So smart move on Teferi. Uh, and instead included, uh, let's see if I can remember them, uh, Taser, who was like a super powerful planeswalker from way back, uh, Freilis, who we all know and love, uh, Lord Windgrace, Commodore Guff, uh, Bolivar, uh, Parcher, and uh, Tevishsoth. Um Turns out uh, Teferi, who noped out of there, gets replaced by Daria. Uh, then Freilis is like, hey, we should bring Christina of the Woods along. And Urza's like, well, she she can't take Tevishsot's spot, even though Tevishsot is clearly the evil one who's going to betray us all. So she's going to take Parcher's spot. So goodbye, Parcher. And I think that's like the last we've heard of Parcher. Yeah. <laughs> he shows up as a Nine Titan, gets kicked out of the group, never returns. Um, anyways, so he assembles these Nine Titans. Uh, so we've got all of them together and he's like hey you're gonna pilot these giant mechs and we're gonna go to phyrexia and koilos and we're gonna we're gonna fight back the invasion and they go to koilos and on their way there urza's like hey i'm also gonna take all of the people who are defending urborg and they're gonna come with us and that way we'll really win and baron's like but like then urborg won't have any defenders and it's gonna just fall and become phyrexian and urza says tough luck buddy uh <laughs> urza then uh tells Baron, because this is a great time to do it, that uh, his daughter's been dead for like two weeks and uh, he didn't tell him. And Baron's like, so you didn't tell me my daughter was dead? And Ursa's like, yeah, I didn't want you to get distracted. Uh, Baron, understandably, uh, goes to Talaria and obliterates it. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, uh, you know, he hadn't requested the time off, so... Yeah, yeah. you know... This is a good example of why you need to use your PTO. True story. And if, you're, if your job offers bereavement time, use it all if someone dies. Just use it. Because you'll never get it back. Just use it all. Yeah, so Baron goes and digs up the body of Hannah. Uh, he's already lost Rain at this point. Uh, Hannah was sort of his last reason to continue fighting. Uh, and now that she's dead, he goes to Talaria, which has been overrun by Phyrexians, by the way, at this point, because when Urza assembled the Nine Titans there, they kind of made Teleria like a huge beacon. Um, so Baron goes there and he's like looking at these Phyrexians, looking at the the legacy that he shared, looking at really 
the legacy of Urza um, and decides, you know what? He's going to get rid of it all. So he obliterates it, depicted in the spell Obliterate. The invasion version of Obliterate depicts it, and it is one of the most odd. Like, I love that art. It, it really makes you feel like what was going on. It, it's like once you read the, the text from the invasion about how that how he like views the world and how what he's thinking as he's as like he's going through with this like i like that art has so much more meaning and it, it looks like it's just a haze of red and a, a single figure but like it, it's really mm, that's that is definitely one of my favorite parts of the book like just his headspace as he's going through that spell it's crazy yeah, he's he's literally sacrificed everything for Urza, and Urza didn't have the decency to tell him that his daughter had died. Um, so he, uh, as the flavor text on the invasion version of Obliterate says, for his family, Baron made a funeral pyre of Teleria. Um, so that's the end of the Telerian Academy, basically. Um, for now. For now. Uh, so at that point, uh, the battle at Koilos is, is not going very good. Um, the Weatherlight crew has shown up to help fight. Uh, Urza and the Titans have shown up, but things are just not going very well. Um, eventually, they sort of fight their way into the caves, and Karn, who up to this point has been maintaining a vow of pacifism, uh, refusing to fight uh, due to a terrible experience on Wrath, um, where he is essentially put into a, a, like a, what would you call it? Like a tumbler with a bunch of goblins and just crushes them yeah it's it's really awful but uh karn has been refusing to fight and he decides now is the time to break that vow of pacifism and he fights through the phyrexians in a like very commanding fashion uh opening up the way for gerard uh to finally wound sabo tavek um he goes through and just stabs sabo pretty uh painfully causing sabo to retreat uh, and after Sabo retreats, Urza and Gerard manage to destroy that portal to Phyrexia, and they end the war. The day is saved. The invasion's over. Uh, thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos cast. Lols. <laughs> JK. <laughs> um, so we talked about this in the episodes about the Weatherlight Saga, but essentially Wrath is this artificial plane created by Phyrexia. It is the plane that is featured in Tempest Block, uh, it is a place entirely made of flowstone, and it's created to overlay on Dominaria. Well, to be clear, I'm not sure that we know who actually created Wrath. We know that Phyrexians assumed control of it and started like using the flow, the capabilities of flowstone to to create extra mass to overlay with Dominaria. But I don't think we know, and this is something I wish Jay was on to answer, but I don't think we know if it, if it was a, a purely artificial plane. Yeah, that is anyway, a good point. Yeah, does that, it matter? That is a good point. We don't necessarily know if Rexy created Wrath, but the Wrath as it exists uh, is basically a Phyrexian creation in the sense that uh, whatever was there before is now covered in flow stone and designed to overlay onto Dominaria. Um, and that's when it starts happening. Right as they think they've saved the day, uh, the Wrathy overlay begins. And essentially, like all these places on Wrath meld on top of Dominaria. And it creates a lot of like 
weird issues with like the ether and a bunch of mutations of creatures. Um, this is the beginning of the uh, plane shift novel or set and novel where uh, essentially you get a bunch of weird creature types and like colors on creatures because of this mutation that's happening from the Rathi overlay. Um, yeah, this is uh, the it's as bad. Because essentially what happens is, you know, Urza took all those defenders away from Urborg and let Urborg fall. And then directly on top of Urborg now appears the strength, uh, the stronghold, which we know from, you know, the previous Dominaria set is now the Cabal stronghold. But essentially at that time was the Phyrexian stronghold where the seat of the invasion was happening. Yeah, but this is like how Skyshroud Forest, which was naturally like a kind of rainforest climate, ends up in the mountains of Keld. So it's like snowy and Freilis has to power use her own power to protect it. You have the obviously the Cabal Stronghold, which was formerly the Phyrexian Stronghold, the Stronghold on Wrath, is now overlaid onto uh, Urborg. Um, there were some other ones too, and I can't remember, but those are the, the most important ones that I can think of. Yeah, there were some, some big areas that created some problems. I know, um, that this also caused like the, the shadow of like a thing that was happening to people who were like existing sort of like kind of phased out in a way. The Dothy. Um, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, that happens. It's, it's a big deal. Um, but in all of this, this sort of chaos that's happening with the Rathi overlay, uh, Phyrexian forces are pouring out of the stronghold. Essentially, now, instead of using a portal to get everyone there, they just are there. Um, so the rest of the Ur- uh, Urza and the Nine Titans gather together and they'd say, hey, we're just going to go to Phyrexia. We're going to go to Phyrexia and shut this down from the source. Um, things don't go super well. We've mentioned this several times. <laughs> um Urza takes his his eight other planeswalkers on what is uh, essentially a suicide mission. Uh, Tevisat betrays them right after they get to to Phyrexia. He uh, kills Christina of the Woods and Daria, and then Urza's like, "Oh well, you know this means I have to kill Tevisat." So he detonates what is the uh, the kill rubric, I believe, um, in his like mech suit, and Tevisat being as a planeswalker is essentially used to power these soul bombs which are these like incredibly powerful bombs that he's going to use to like destroy phyrexia um so they've placed them all over the plane but he needs more power to set them off and he's like ah we'll use tevisat uh convenient urza is a a good guy good guy um (laughs) if he were truly a good guy he would just hey said hey tevisat cop in this thing for me and then suck the soul out then and then uh, Daria and Christina would still be alive and everyone would have been fine. But no, he had to say, oh, yes, I'm going to I'm going to let you kill two people first and then I'll have justification for doing so. Well, I mean, he wasn't justified in killing Tevisat. You know, that guy was not a bad person. Uh, yeah, so things of Dominaria not going well. Uh, speaking of Tevisat, he had, before they went to Phyrexia, he told uh, Derigaz, one of the uh, like dragon Shivan dragons who we mentioned uh, previously about this whole like primeval dragons thing. Where there's like these old primeval dragons who are buried under this volcano, and I, I'm not going to actually. I'm not going to even talk about this. It's not really relevant. Uh, Derigaz wakes up some powerful dragons. There you go. I will say that 
Derogaz, uh, <laughs> Rith the Awakener was trapped in Namada the Grove Guardian, and she was mm-hmm. one of these primeval dragons. And I just find it hilarious that Namada the Grove Guardian, whose card I used to, was one of my first rares in Magic, his job, like, he, he, throughout the entire book, he's literally following Rith the Awakener around trying to trap her back in his tree. <laughs> so yeah it's it's a lot um this is one of those like side plots that happens in these novels that like doesn't really matter that much it becomes it is slightly relevant and i'll bring it up later when it becomes slightly relevant that you need to know about these primeval dragons um essentially like the biggest baddest one of them is uh croesus who is like they all sacrifice themselves to awaken croesus and then croesus like resurrects them um yeah, he's he's big and bad. Uh, also on Dominaria, uh, the Keldons, who we've mentioned before, they have this prophecy that like, Twilight. Ascent- yeah, the the Keldon Twilight, which is uh, where all of the Keldon warriors will come back to life, uh, which is why they're all buried in this giant necropolis. And sure enough, with the Phyrexian invasion, the the prophecy comes through, and all the Keldon warriors come back to fight for Phyrexia. It's the false twilight, as indicated on the tw- on the card. False twilight from invasion. Super sweet card. It's a mass reanimate, mass reanimation effect. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's not good because now Phyrexia has a uh, undead army of Keldons, um, and the Keldons are kind of shocked and don't want to fight them because they're their beloved ancestors, and it, it's a whole thing. Yeah, so Phyrexia starts just kind of winning all of these battles. Um, the Phyrexian skyship, the Predator, uh, also appears in the airs above uh, Dominaria and starts fighting the Weatherlight. Um, this is where the Weatherlight crew kind of has their like cool skyship battle. Uh, we had a preview card, actually, before my time of Tongarth, uh, who ends up playing a really pivotal role in this this battle where he kills... Um, who was Revenu- it? Grevin, yeah. Uh, who is like the captain of the, the Predator... Um, it's cool. There's like a sky battle. Um, the Weatherlight ends up winning, uh, thanks in part to Tongarth. Uh, they send the Predator crashing into the stronghold. Uh, but turns out there was an invisible Phyrexian who was on board and gets on the Weatherlight and reveals himself to be Urtai, who was a former crew member who had been left on Wrath, uh, and Phyrexianized. So, sucks to be you, Urtai. Nothing worse than a Tolarian scorned. Yeah, so the uh, the proto Jace, the the wizard with all of the funny counterspell flavor text, who sounds kind of like a jerk, Urtai, uh, has turned to the Phyrexian side. He kidnaps kidnaps Gerard and Squee and takes them to the stronghold, uh, where they run into Krovax, who is now also former crew member of the Weatherlight, is now leading the Phyrexian invasion. Uh, Krovax has eaten Sabo Tavek. Um, so congratulations on some cannibalism there. Phyrexians, they're real good. Uh, yum, yum, tasty Sabo Tavek. Uh, anyways, um, he's leading the invasion now and he, uh, says, Hey, Gerard, uh, I heard Hannah died. Real, real sucks. Real bad, buddy. Um, Yogmoth can bring her back. And Gerard's like, no, 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 no. And then he's like, no, 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 no. And then he he demonstrates by um, using Squee as an example. So this is where Squee becomes immortal. Uh, Which is hilarious. Yeah. So Squee 
gets this sort of gift of immortality from Yogmoth, where he, uh, if he's killed, he comes back to life. So upon seeing this, Gerard is like, oh, wow, you actually do have the ability to bring people back from the dead. Um, fun fact, fun fact, Squee was never concepted for this to happen. This was not the initial idea for Squee. Uh, his card that was originally released in Tempest Block, I believe, um, if I'm correct there, I might be totally wrong. Anyways, his original card was designed and the idea was just that he was hard to kill. So he keeps coming back from your graveyard to your hand because um, he's hard to kill. But the writer of the novel saw that and said, what if I just made him immortal? Love it. It's Very great. funny. And that was masks. Mercadia masks. Mercadia masks. Okay, it was on Mercadia, not not Tempest. Um, bunch of weird stuff happened in the Weatherlight Saga. Anyways, uh, on Phyrexia, Urza finds out, you know, he thinks the place looks great. He loves what they've done there. Uh, Ur- <laughs> he's he's looking around the further he gets into Phyrexia the more enchanted he becomes by the artifice and like thinks the place is beautiful because Urza is a good guy let me tell you um, <coughs> lies yeah Urza's evil um, he he falls in love with, with Phyrexia uh, Yogmoth shows him his brother uh, supposedly but you know nothing is true on Phyrexia uh, and says hey look We've we've got Mishra here for you. Uh, and Urza's like, I don't care about Mishra. I want to learn from you. Uh, and then Urza decides to join with Yogmoth. He becomes a Phyrexian, essentially. And he uh, activates that kill rubric and kills Taser. So, like, number of planeswalkers killed by Urza so far in this book is now at, like, four, kind of? If you consider Christina and Daria being also his victims... Uh, I, I don't know. I'm giving him a half on each of them, so I'll I'll give you one. All right, so three. He's at three now. Um, so he uh he kills Taser. He decides to pledge himself to Yogmoth. Um, turns out Gerard also decides that he's gonna go on with uh Yogmoth. Um, well, not quite. He he's willing to take up Yogmoth's offer to battle Urza for to, to resurrect uh, Hannah. So they, they fight in this, this Phyrexian arena. <laughs> and uh, with like weapons that stop Urza from being able to regenerate himself as a planeswalker normally would be able to. So it puts them on even turns and they, they, they fight instead in front of this quote-unquote crowd of Phyrexians, which is really all of them are all Yawgmoth in one conscious kind of hive mind kind of thing. Yeah, um... While they're fighting, or before they fight, uh, the weatherlight crashes. So, just, just so you know, and that was caused by one of the primevals, caused by Croesus. I, I mentioned earlier that they they played one relevant role in the entire story, and it's that one. <laughs> so there, there you go. Um, they caused the weatherlight to crash. Uh, that's the end of the plane shift novel, and then the apocalypse novel begins with that fight in the arena. Um, Gerard and Urza are fighting each other to the death. Uh, turns out Urza's not that strong when he's not got Planeswalker powers. <laughs> so uh, Gerard just cuts his head off. Um, congratulations to Gerard. Uh, Yogmoth is like, well, here, I, I got you Hannah. And presents him with Hannah, who is not Hannah. And Gerard sees straight through it. Turns out Yogmoth had created like a simulation of Hannah who was actually Yogmoth. Well, like I said, everyone in that arena was really Yawgmoth, and he was just, like, they were all Yawgmoth, including the Hannah. So, 
that in the card of jilt, you see the flavor text of what actually happens. You're not my Hannah, and Gerard stabs Yogmoth, aka Hannah. Yeah, so Gerard like stabs Yogmoth slash Hannah, and Yogmoth's like, "Whoa, buddy!" and shoots him out of Phyrexia. So Yogmoth ends up back in the uh, stronghold. Uh, while he's uh, once he gets there, um, the remaining Titans on Phyrexia are like, "Hey." Uh, it's like Bolivar, Commodore Guff, Freilis, and Windgrace are left at this point. Yeah. Um, they're like, hey, we're going to set off these bombs and we're going to destroy Phyrexia. And uh, they start that process. Uh, meanwhile, at the Stronghold, uh, there's a big battle. It ends up being covered in lava. Crovax uh, and Urtai get killed by Gerard and, Gerard and Squee. So Squee gets one kill on the board. Congratulations, Squee. Um, <laughs> he kills Urtai. Good, you know, it just proves that even the greatest uh, counterspell deck can be killed by some really resilient goblins. Got him. Um, so uh, the Titans are like starting the soul bombs. Uh, they blow up a bunch of Phyrexia. They like basically destroy Phyrexia. Uh, but it turns out that they're a little too late because Yogmoth has left Phyrexia. Yogmoth has arrived on Dominaria and he has come in the form of a giant death cloud. Um, funny enough, the card Death Cloud in Scars of Mirrodin Block. Or no, it's just Mirrodin Block. No, it's, yeah, it's Mirrodin Mirrodin Block. Yeah, that is not Yogmoth. <laughs> um, no. But he is a similar concept. Uh, Yogmoth shows up as a giant cloud of death, and like everywhere he goes, people are dying and being resurrected. Um, during this is when a lot of that like weird stuff happens with like uh, the the. Metathran leaders and like Dralnu and there's just a bunch of a bunch of nonsense is happening. Um, there's some Minotaur involved. Uh, Eladomri kill commits suicide. It's look. It's, hold <laughs> up. Wait a minute. Clarification. Yeah. He dies off camera. He could still be alive out there somewhere. We never actually see him hit the ground. Just say it could Hasht- happen. <laughs> Hashtag Eladomri watch. Um, <laughs> I mean, he could be alive. Uh, doubt it, but he could be. Um, anyways, it's it's very sad. A lot of like really terrible things are happening on Dominaria at this point. Um, the Death Cloud is, you know, killing people and resurrecting them to kill more people. Um, there's a lot of just, a lot of characters are dying on and off screen. Um, turns out Karn, uh, after he... Uh, went all beast mode and gave up his vow of pacifism uh unlocked like a deep memory that he'd forgotten so you know how they were like wiping his memory every 20 years or whatever he unlocks all of his memories uh and also some other things and realizes that he uh, is part of some sort of greater weapon uh which is the legacy weapon which is like a bunch of urza related items (laughs) so uh Turns out bubbles and random things like that. Yeah, I think. Okay, so like the legacy items are um, what the Weatherlight was collecting. It was like the whole point of the Weatherlight saga, right? They didn't really know what they were doing with it, but they were collecting all these items. Uh, It was the Bones of Ramos, who was like the dragon engine who brought people to Mercadia. Um, The Chimeric Sphere. uh, A hourglass pendant that Gerard had. The Juju Bubble, which is just very funny to me. Yes. Um, the Might Stone, 
uh, the weak stone, so the two stones in Urza's eyes, um, the null rod, a power matrix. It's a bunch mm-hmm. of random artifacts from Magic's history that are all like they all have cards for the most part, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. All the like, if I could go back in time and redo one thing, I would make all these cards interact somehow. Like, but all these cards have no interaction at all, and it's hilarious. To me. Well, granted, a lot of them are artifacts, and technically Karn is one of them, and he can turn them into creatures. So, like, <sighs> get out, <laughs> get out. Um, so yeah, it's it's like this big. Uh, like weird legacy of Urza's entire life. Um, Karn knows that they need to use it to kill Yawgmoth. Um, so he like starts leading the remaining crew of the Weatherlight, including Gerard and Squee, uh, to like, hey, we need a bunch of white mana to make this work. Uh, Urza's head, who Gerard has just been carrying with him the entire time for some reason, uh, suddenly He's starts speaking not up. Dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the head's just like, hey, you know, the power stone in the Weatherlight has Sarah's realm just kind of tucked into it. If you want to use that white mana, it might like destroy half the planet, but like you'll get your mana. And then thankfully, the crew of the Weatherlight's like, you are insane. There's no way on earth we're going to destroy half of Dominaria to save it. Uh, Karn's like, hey, there's this thing called the Null Moon. You know how we have, like, two moons on Dominaria? Well, one of them is, like, a Thran artifact that is just collecting white mana. Space station. Yeah. That's not a moon. That's a space station. That's no moon. (laughs) Yeah, so... uh, Like, literally, there were people Mm -hmm. up there, and, like, they all... um, They literally killed themselves so that... No, it wasn't killed. They didn't kill themselves. But basically, in the Thran Civil War, the people stationed up there, there was a big fight, and, like... There's nobody up there now, but there were people at one point stationed in that no moon. Like the Thrain were so far ahead in a magic world, they had a space station. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's a really funny thing about Dominaria, where like, uh, and the stories for Dominaria United kind of mention this a little bit, where it's like the past of Dominaria is all like incredibly advanced technology, and the future is magic, and so it creates this like really interesting situation where like the archaic backwoods old way of doing things is actually like super sci-fi and the like future, like futuristic stuff in a way is all like obscure magical stuff. Um, So I think that's really funny, but anyways, Karn's like, Hey, we can use the null moon. It's full of white mana. Uh, We'll power the legacy weapon with that. So the Weatherlight like plane shifts up to the null moon, uh, collects all of this white mana and turns it into a weapon on Yogmoth, and they kill Yogmoth. Except they don't, because this boss has another phase. Um, Yogmoth turns into like these giant tentacles. Uh, this is back on Dominaria now. The Null—they're not on the moon. Um, I don't think they're on the moon, right? No, it's because they're at the—they're at the stronghold, right? Yeah, they're in Urborg. Um, anyways, uh, Yogmoth turns into these like giant tentacles and starts grabbing at the Weatherlight. Uh, the crew of the Weatherlight all jump off except for Gerard and Karn. And then the head of Urza is like, hey, okay, I will tell you the one helpful thing that I have said this entire invasion. Pluck out my eyes. Um, so they take the eyes out of Urza, which are the like Mightstone and Weakstone from back in the day, put them into Karn, and thereby complete the actual legacy weapon, uh, causing... 
Karn and Gerard and Urza's head and the weatherlight and all of those weird artifacts to come together and send out this incredibly bright blast of energy that destroys Yawgmoth for good. And that is the end of the Phyrexian invasion. Yeah. It's, and actually, um, yeah, it's actually the end this time. I'm not kidding. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> it's, uh, it, there's a, it's a doozy. Uh, these books had a lot of random stuff go on that probably didn't really add to the plot a whole lot, but they were funny. Like, uh, Commodore Guff, Lorelai's favorite character since she's like, uh, Rebutney. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. All right. Quick aside about Commodore Guff. This, the reason we hate Commodore Guff. Okay, to explain to the listeners why we don't <laughs> talk about Guff is that Bolivar discovers that Guff is the quote unquote author of the multiverse. Um, he has <laughs> he has this giant library where he's he's already signed off on the end of the Phyrexian invasion, ending with Yawgmoth's victory, right? And so, like. Another thing about Guff is that he is named after the author of these novels, Scott McGuff, which is why it's sort of like... Just want to put it out there. J. Robert King was the author of the first one. Just just putting that out there. Yeah, actually, J. Robert King, I think, wrote... Um, I know he wrote Invasion and Plane Shift. I think he also wrote Apocalypse. Yeah, he wrote... So J. Robert King wrote all three of them, but Scott McGuff, who is like one of the authors of... Uh, Magic history is the namesake for Commodore Guff. Um, Bolivar discovers that Guff has like written the ending and had Yawgmoth win. And he's like, dude, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, so he convinces Guff to like smudge it out and be like, oh, well, maybe we don't know if Yawgmoth wins or not. And somehow well, that's how Yawgmoth was defeated by Guff. Guff goes on this huge writing spree like he, he's crossing a bunch of stuff out like i want to say they dedicate like half a page to like all the scribbling and all the stuff guff is saying to himself as he's changing the ending to the book what in real time like <laughs> it's such a troll move it's hilarious it's it's it is like one of the most like sad things you can do in a in a fantasy story, is just be like, and all along, the the writer of the book was actually this character. It's, anyways, this is why we don't like Guff because it's just kind of silly. Um, Guff ends up dying. Uh, he gets eaten by the Death Cloud. Uh, Bolivar ends up uh, sacrificing himself to save a bunch of artists. So good for you, buddy. Um, it's yeah, it's a. Uh, it's sad for Bolivar, but like Guff is gone. We're never getting a Guff card. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. Never say never. Uh, but that is um that is the end of the invasion with the legacy weapon finally killing Yawgmoth for like really realsies. Uh, all of the Phyrexians on Dominaria kind of like short circuit. Hmm. Allegedly. Yeah, well, the idea is that like. Once Yawgmoth died, all of his Phyrexians, like, didn't have a connection to him anymore. And because of that, they, like, stopped doing anything. And then the Dominarians just kind of killed them all. Um, we don't really know, like, what that means in terms of, like, could any of them still spread the Phyrexian infection? Uh, we're going to find out a lot more, I guess, with this story. But um, essentially, they're all, like, gone. Uh, 
there's like a big ceremony a year later where Freilis like creates the monument to the fallen. Uh, they're like, hey, you know, look at this. We're all very sad about everyone who died, but we're going to celebrate them. Uh, Sisse gets a new ship. So congratulations, Sisse. Uh, Squee and Tongarth join her on her new ship. Um, Orum, she's uh, she's going to go off and uh, get married to Chomano on Mercadia. And she's not a planeswalker, but she gets there thanks to Karn, who actually survived and became a planeswalker. Um, so good for Karn. That's that's it. <laughs> uh, we know from this point on, Karn goes off to create Argentum, which becomes Mirrodin, which becomes New Phyrexia. Uh, he creates the, uh, whatchamacallit, the Mirari. So Karn creates the Mirari, which creates a lot of problems for Dominaria. Um <laughs> It's, yeah. you know, maybe Karn becoming a planeswalker was not the best thing to happen, but I like Karn, so he gets a pass. Uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll discuss that at a later date, because I, I feel like this is going to be highly relevant considering what was said in, some, in the story that was released yesterday, but we'll discuss that next week. Or wait, is it next week? No, we've got a couple of weeks before we talk Dominar United story. We've got to give everyone a time to actually read the story. Uh, so we'll start talking about the, uh, the Dominar United story pretty soon, but, uh, until then, I guess, um, do you have any, any final words you want to say about the invasion story? Because we really gave a very quick rundown of it. I would say for 50 minutes, that was pretty darn good. Um, as far as the invasion story, I want new cards for Agnate, Thaddeus, and a new Eladomri card, please. Thank you very much. That's my final thought. <laughs> well, uh, I think the invasion story was pretty good. I think that it was absolutely wild, and I think that uh, it did not need to be three books. Look here. It, it, it could have, like, they could have used some of the, the space a little bit better. Like, they could have used some of these interactions and made them a little bit more crucial, like the, the primeval dragons were like there was room for some of the because like the primeval dragons were really interesting as the characters but they were in they should have had their own book like like that 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 storyline was wasted on this book um but you know i i do think that they could have used there like there were storylines that they could have followed a little bit more or um they, they, it could have been done differently, but I, I like the story overall. So, sure, maybe some things could have been cut, could have been reallocated elsewhere, but it's it's art. <laughs> it is it is certainly something. Um, <laughs> I I think that uh, the story of the Phyrexian invasion is pretty old at this point, um, in the sense of like, not only is the story dated in terms of like the kind of books that were being written at the time. But uh, it's also become kind of like its own mythological thing. You hear people even today in like the Vorthos community, like debating like what actually happened, who did this, who did what. My favorite thing is people who are still like trying to decide whose spark Karn had. Did he have Urza's spark? Did he have Glacian's spark? Did Urza have his own spark? So it's, it's pretty clearly written it's it's glacian spark that urza had 
Glacian was a latent planeswalker that never sparked, and his power went into the power stones that Yogmoth stabbed him, like sunk into him, basically. And it was siphoned into the power stones. Power stones were split, uh, and that that's like that that that's it. Like it's Glacian spark that Urza had. I guess the, the question is, did Urza ever have his own spark, or was it always Glacian's? It was always Glacian's. Because it was literally the meek and the might stone was the shards of that of that un, that one stone. Like, Mishra could have been the planeswalker if he had gotten both sides. Oh, man. Wouldn't that have been cool? That, that um, could be a completely cool AU. Like, I would love to see that card. Uh, maybe we'll see it when we go back to the Brothers' War. Maybe we'll get some time travel shenanigans. I hope not. But maybe we will. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, the, the whole Keldon prophecy, th- uh, storyline, the primeval dragons should have been their own stories. I think bringing the, like, Metathran and the Weatherlight saga together into one thing was kind of like, why? <laughs> it was, it was just, there was just a lot going on. Um, so my final thought is that I, I agree. I hope we get Thaddeus and Agnate cards. Uh, I hope we get new cards for uh, some of these planeswalkers who like Christina of the Woods and Daria and uh, Taser are all these like and characters. Guff. No, Bolivar. Uh, <laughs> um, there's all these planeswalkers who don't have cards, and it would be really cool if we got them in a supplemental product. It would be really fun to get like the nine titans as planeswalkers. Are we getting uh, a commander set for we, We're getting two commander decks, one of which is being led by Jared Carthalian. So, like... It's possible. And it's a five-color deck, so, like, pretty possible there's going to be a bunch of Planeswalkers involved. We'll see. We'll see. We but, could uh, also get them with, like, a, the Brothers War book, or set when that comes out, too. So, who knows? Maybe. We'll see. All right. Well, uh... Any other final thoughts as we end the invasion saga? Nope, we've been going on for long enough. But uh, if you would like to troll me about uh, Eladomri being Phyrexianized or saying Commodore Guff is not real with an awesome gif on our Discord channel, you can be a part of that by joining our Patreon. By giving us a small amount of money, you can join an awesome community who gets a... Talk about random video games, different books, or just troll us while we're podcasting. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to do that, you can go to our Patreon and uh, subscribe there. I'm not good at this, so <laughs> thank you all <laughs> for uh, listening. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, just so people know, it's patreon.com slash the Vorthoscast. Give us a dollar a month, you get the Discord. Give us three bucks a month, you get live listen, where you get to make fun of us while we record. So... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thank you all for listening. This has been the Fourthos Cast.